podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 28th of October, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. So if you're a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, a Liberty Shield VPN can allow you to change your IP address, get round those pesky geoblocks such as BBC iPlayer. This content is not available in your location. Lift that, gets you in, watch what you want, and keep your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com, use the code EPL25 to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And then do check out, with Christmas on the horizon, the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops. You can find them on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 and RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. There is a new episode of A Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. Make sure you give that one a listen on this feed. You don't need to go anywhere. Just have a a quick scroll. There will also be, on Sunday night or Monday morning, a new episode of the EPL Roundtable with Kevin DeVries and Clam. So do check that out as well. Right, folks, we begin with a horrifying story. Um, Pablo Mari, the Arsenal defender, who is currently on loan at Monza, was stabbed and is facing an extended period on the sidelines to escape life-threatening injuries. This was part of a mass stabbing in Italy on Thursday that Mary was caught up in as he walked through the supermarket with his wife and son. He was stabbed in the back. Uh, He's had surgery to reconstruct two injured muscles in his back. Absolutely horrifying. And thoughts, obviously, with the families of, of those affected, with the people affected and obviously with Pablo Mari will hope we get to see him back on a pitch doing what he's good at in the near future. Uh we also had Europa League football last night. Um so we'll quickly run through the results. Lazio two, Mitlian one, Milinkovic Savic and Pedro with the goals for Lazio. Isakson had put Mitlian one up, but a good win for Lazio. FC Zurich two Bodo Glimt won. Good win for Zurich. Ludogorets nil. Real Betis won. Nabil Fakir with the only goal of the game. Fenerbahce 3, Ren 3. By all accounts, an absolute belter of a game. Ren went 3-0 up. Amin Guri, Martin Terrier and Guri again. But Enner Valencia, 
Zaj and Emery Moore with two late goals, 82 and 88, to give Fenerbahce a well-earned point. Malmo nil, Union St. Gilles 2. Larnica 3, Dinamo Kiev 3. PSV Eindhoven 2, Arsenal 0. Uh, irrelevant result because Arsenal were going through anyway, but they'll be very disappointed. They were comprehensively outplayed. And when you look at the team that was out there, it's their first choice goalkeeper. Tommy Asu is the best right back at the club. Kieran Tierney is the best left back at the club. They may not be starting right now, but they are better than Ben White and Zinchenko. Um, Saliba, starting centre-back, next to Rob Holding. Odegaard, club captain, first-choice player. Xhaka, first-choice player. Sambi Lakonga playing instead of um, Thomas Partey, though Partey did come on, as did Ben White and Gabriel, and Bikayo Saka and Gabriel Jesus. Up front, they started Fabio Vieira, Eddie Nketiah and Gabriel Martinelli is the only one of the normal front three to start. But they did make changes. They did try and win the game. And um, it did not go well. It was not a good performance by Arsenal. But great win for PSV nonetheless. Union Berlin won Braga nil. Robin Nosh with a penalty in 68 to give Union the win. HJK won Roma 2. Tammy Abraham and a Huskinen own goal, giving Roma a much-needed win. Ferenc Varos won, Monaco won. Wissem Benyeder had given Monaco the lead, but Zakariasen equalised in 81 minutes to give Ferenc Varos another good result in this competition. Sturmgratz won, Feyenoord nil, a little bit of a surprise in that one. Manchester United 3 Sheriff Tiraspol nil. Um, United did not look good in this game, and Sheriff were largely awful. But this would be this would concern me if I was a United fan. How much of a toil this was! It took until forty four minutes for Diogo Delo to score. Marcus Rashford had to come off the bench to make the game safe, and then Cristiano got himself a nice tap in on eighty one. United had twenty four shots, ten on target. Sheriff had none. No shots, none on target, none off target, nothing. Uh, this was United with De Gea, first choice, Delo, first choice, Lindelof, currently first choice because Varane is injured, Martinez, first choice, Malashia. I don't really know who the first choice left back is at United because Luke Shaw and him seem to split the season so far. Um, Casemiro, first choice, Eriksen, first choice, Anthony, first choice. Fernandez first choice. Garnacho played left played left wing. He's young. He's young. We'll leave it at that. And Cristiano played up front, and he's obviously not first choice. You're really only looking at Varane, Sancho, and Rashford missing from their best eleven. And Varane is out for a while, so they may get used to Lindelof playing. Sancho has not looked all that impressive since they signed him. He's had a couple of good games here and there, but consistency is just not something he possesses at the moment. And Rashford, a good player, obviously, also very inconsistent. And 
if you look back at the last 14, 15 months, would you say that Marcus Rashford is somebody you trust as your number nine? Not particularly. Um, the biggest talking point that's come out of the game has been Anthony. Not for anything positive, but because he received the ball in space with nobody near him and did that pirouette that he does and then did it again. So he did like a double spin. And then he played the ball out of play uh, with a pass that he overhit. But I don't think it's nearly as bad. Look, it looks stupid and it is. It's a bit pointless. But on the flip side, if that is somebody that can run rather than Casemiro, they probably do get on the end of that pass. He did sort of freeze the defence and play it into the right general area. He overhit it a little bit for Casemiro, but for someone that can run, they would have got on the end of that, and it might have led to a chance. And if it had led to a chance, we'd be hearing about what a great bit of skill it was. So this is process versus outcome. The outcome is bad. The process wasn't necessarily as bad as people have made it out to be. He just ended up looking like a clown, but it could it could have turned out better uh, better for him. Uh, Freiburg won, Olympiakos won, Red Star Belgrade two, Trabzonspor one, Nantes two, Quarabeg one, and Ammonia nil, Real Sociedad two. So in the groups, Group A, Arsenal and PSV are through. Arsenal will likely top the group. Bodo Glimt and FC Zurich still competing for that fourth spot. The Sorry, that third spot, I should say. The third place team will drop into the Conference League. The runner-up will face a team who drops into the Europa League from the Champions League. And the winner will go into groups uh, the round of 16. Uh, in Group B, Fenerbahce and Ren tied at the top, 11 points each. They... They're both through, and it looks like Larnaca will go through in third place into the Conference League. In Group C, it's still all to play for. Betis are through. They will top the group. But Roma and Ludogorets meet next Thursday in a winner-take-all. A draw will send Ludogorets through because they won the first game between them, so they would have the head-to-head advantage. Roma need to win at home to go through. They should win at home and go through. That would pop Ludogorets into the Conference League. If not, it's Roma into the Conference League. Um, group D, uh, Union St. Gilles, they will go through top of the group. It is between Union Berlin and Braga for second and third. Union have found form that replicates their domestic form in the last three games. Three straight wins after beginning with two straight defeats. So they, in their last game, they face St. Gilles and Braga face Malmo. So you'd expect that Braga will beat Malmo, but Union just need to go and get their business taken care of. Uh, on to Group E. Real Sociedad are through. Manchester United are through. Sheriff will go into the Conference League. And 
barring the, uh, the, a surprising defeat to Ammonia, who will go out. Uh, United need to win in Sociedad next week to top the group. Uh, I think they'd need to win 2-0, if I'm not mistaken. I think they need to win 2-0 or buy two clear goals uh, to go through. Group F, Lazio have eight points. They're top. Sturm Graz have eight points. They are in second place. Fine or third, Mittelland, fourth. As things stand, anybody can go through because of how these results have worked out. Basically, anyone can go through. The results last night, the wins for Lazio and Sturm Graz, they are mirrored of the results in the first round of games. Um, or sorry, the second round of games. It's a very, very tight group. Very, very tight group. Freiburg are through. Quarabeg or Nance will join them and the other will go into the knockout. Ferenc Varos are through, 10 points. Uh, not assured yet of topping the group. I don't think. Did they beat Monaco the first time? They might have beat Monaco the first time. They did beat Monaco. So they will go through top of the group, Ferenc Varos, with Monaco or Trabzonspor in second place. And the other team will drop into the Conference League. Uh, in the Conference League last night, Alkmaar 2, Vaduz 1 in Vaduz. Good win for Alkmaar. Fiorentina 2, Istanbul, Besiktas 1. Two goals for Luka Jovic. Good to see. Very, very happy to see him do well. Anderlecht 2, Stoya Bucharest 2. Uh, Yari Vacheron, young player, just beginning his journey. And Jan Vertonghen with the goals for Anderlecht. So, you know, one at the start of the career, one at the end of the career. Good to see. Um, nice 2, Partizan 1, Nicolas Pepe and Mario Lamina, Premier League legends with the goals there. Uh, Villarreal 2, Beersheva 2. Beersheva went 1-up. Villarreal came back to lead 2-1 with Chukwesi and Danjuma scoring, but Beersheva were able to get a point. That's a disappointing result for Villarreal. Uh, Austria-Vienna 1, Lech Poznan 1. Dnipro 1, Apollon 0. Sivaspor 3, Cluj 0. Slovan Bratislava 2, Punic 1. Basel 2, Zalgiris 2. Hearts 2, Orfs 1. West Ham 1, Silkborg 0. West Ham really should have won this game a lot more comfortably. Uh, Lanzini scored a penalty on 24, but West Ham just seemed to forget how to get shots on target. Uh, Balkany Nil Slavia Prague one, Shamrock Rovers one, Ghent one, uh, Rory Gaffney scored after three minutes to put Shamrock Rovers one up. Hong scored on seventy four after Justin Ferrazaj had been sent off on seventy three. Very very unfortunate for the Rovers not to hold on there and get a win, but you take a point and you move. Molde 2, Djurgården 3, Slovakko 0, Cologne 1. Groups look as follows. Istanbul, Besiktas and Fiorentina are through. Just a matter of who tops the group and 
gets the bye to the round of 16 and who faces the team that drops in from the Europa League. West Ham through, top of the group, no hassle, five wins from five. Um, Silkberg or Anderlecht will come through in the second spot. They play each other next week, Silkberg at home in that one. Villarreal through, top of the group, no hassle. Lech Poznan or Beersheva will finish second. And as luck would have it, they are not playing each other. Sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, Poznan host Villarreal. Beersheva will play Austria Vienna, who are already eliminated. Nice and Partizan are the top two in Group D, but it is still between those two and Cologne to see which two teams go through. AZ Alkmaar through in Group E. Dnipro also through. Just remains to be seen who will top the group. They play each other next week in Alkmaar. Uh, great to see one of the Ukrainian teams doing well in Europe this season. Obviously, it's been a rough old time in the Europa League for Dinamo Kiev. Shakhtar haven't had the best time in the Champions League. So nice to see Dnipro doing well. Um, Jura Garden, top group F, and they are through. They will go through in top in, in first place. Uh, Molda and Ghent will compete for second place. Shamrock Rovers will finish bottom, but a respectable two points. A respectable two points. Uh, they're away to Jurgarden next week. And with Jurgarden already through, having topped the group, maybe they rotate heavily and maybe Rovers can pick up something else there. Uh, group G, Sivaspor are through. It's between Cluj and Slavia Prague for the second spot, but it remains to see who tops the group in that one. Balkani are out. Slovan, Bratislava and Basel top the um, Group H. They both have eight points. Punic still in with a chance of going through. And I think Salgiri's there as well, but most likely just Punic. So we'll see how that plays out next week. Right. Um, prosecutors have dropped the fraud charges against Neymar. Were we expecting much else they had initially sought a two-year jail term and a 10 million euro fine but they announced the withdrawal of all charges they don't really seem to say they don't really seem to say why they have dropped all charges uh, his defense lawyer claimed that Spanish courts lacked jurisdiction to prosecute Neymar's family and their company N&N because the acts were committed by Brazilian nationals outside of Spanish territory. Hmm. Apparently the alleged crimes are not punishable in Brazil. Um, sure, look, it is what it is. At least he has his freedom. If only he used it for better things than being a part-time footballer. Um, oh, this is an interesting story. So, there is a Spanish fan, Santiago Sanchez, who is trekking from Spain to Qatar for the World Cup, walking, hauling a little trolley thing with his belongings on it, 
he is walking to the World Cup and he sort of disappeared off the map a few weeks ago. And a lot of people were very, very worried for him. And obviously, look, he was doing this by himself, um, meeting up with the odd person along the way that he'd arranged over social media. Uh, he has been found. He has been arrested and is in a prison in Tehran, Iran. There doesn't seem to be any reason given for his arrest. But one anonymous source says he was kidnapped by Iranian security forces having visited the grave of Masa Amini, the woman who died in custody having been arrested for wearing her hijab improperly. Obviously, there's been a lot of things going on in Iran over the last couple of weeks. Uh, none of it, none of it, things that you necessarily want to see, but I think things that are, since since her death, I, I think we are seeing things that need to happen. Now, look, the Islam Islamic culture is something I'm not as clued up on as I maybe should be. Something I used to take a bit more interest in just because I used to work with a lot of Muslims. But in recent years, I just haven't paid as much attention. Um, but it, yeah, it appears he has been arrested, caught up in what's going on. And with a bit of luck, the Spanish authorities are going to get him out of prison and allow him to carry on his journey, which began, by the way, in January. This man has been walking from Spain to Qatar since January. His dream is meeting the Spanish team. And uh, the Iranians have decided no dreams for him. He's got just under a month to get himself there. And somebody needs to intervene, get, get this man freed, and get him back out on the road. We will do the gossip and go to break. Shakhtar Donetsk Sporting Director Carlo Nicolini says Arsenal and Manchester City are among the clubs interested in Mikhailo Mudrik, who would cost more than the 100 million euros that Manchester United paid for Anthony. And look, if I'm Shakhtar, given what's happened in the last couple of years, and given that you've had to sell a whole bunch of your players for less than what they were worth, I would be holding on for every penny. United paid 100 million euro for Anthony. Mudrik is a significantly better player. Now, Anthony might have more potential or he might just be a fidget spinner. Mudrik is exceptional. And um, I'd be holding out for that kind of money. You might not get it because he's not Brazilian. So you maybe wipe off 10 million. But I'd be holding out for something close to it. Real Madrid hope to beat Premier League clubs in the race to sign Jude Bellingham. Dortmund plan to offer Bellingham a contract extension, but they expect him to depart next summer. Newcastle United are set to offer Paraguay International Miguel Almiron a new contract, rightly so. He has been in sparkling form this season. Denmark midfielder Pierre 
Emil Heusberg is also in line for a new contract. And again, he has been in good form this season. Spanish, oh, sorry, Spanish, Sporting Lisbon attacking midfielder Marcus Edwards says the move to Portugal has been good for him, but he would like to return to play in his native England. And I think, I think there will be a queue of clubs lining up for Marcus Edwards. Diego Simeone insists he will not turn his back on the La on Atletico Madrid, despite them being knocked out of the Champions League group stage. Simeone needs to leave at the end of this season. I think he's got this season and next on his contract. I think he needs to leave. I think his his time in Atleti has come to an end. I think he has worked miracles at that club since day one. But in particular, over the last few years, for him to have won the title just two years after losing six starters from his first team, three of whom he didn't want to sell, three of whom, the other three of whom he wanted to keep, but their contracts were allowed run down because the club is just mismanaged. For that to happen, and then for them to be replaced by mediocre players that aren't the ones he wanted, and one young superstar who isn't the player he wanted, I think Simeone just does incredible work. So if I was him, get yourself out of there, take a year off, go and relax, recharge the batteries, and then pick your next club, because all bar three or four clubs in the world would sack the manager to have Diego Simeone. Um, he is an exceptional manager. And there's probably only a few clubs he would manage. Like in Spain, I don't think there's... I, I think he might consider playing for Sevilla because he played... Or managing Sevilla because he played for them, but they couldn't afford him. Um, Nobody in the Bundesliga would interest him. I don't think Bayern would hire him because he goes against their preferred style of play and nobody else really has the money. Um, PSG, I, I just don't see it. And I, I, I think he would be fundamentally opposed to it. Um, the rest of the league isn't worthy of of or worthy of his talents. Um, Italy, I mean, Napoli has a near perfect squad for him, but they're not going to change manager now. Spalletti's doing very, very well. He played for Lazio and Inter. Inter would make more sense. Lazio don't have the money. I don't know that he'd play for anybody or manage anybody else. And he certainly wouldn't go to Juventus because he's been fairly vocal about not liking them very much over the years. And then England would be the other option. Um, Liverpool have the ideal squad for him, but they're not changing manager because they've got Klopp. I don't know. Maybe he holds out for the Inter job if Simeone doesn't get things turned around. He might just decide to go home. He might just go back to Argentina. He might be happy enough doing that because, I mean, he's he's done what he set out to do in Europe. He won La Liga twice, won the Europa League twice, got two Champions League finals. To do that with Atletico Madrid is miraculous. His achievements there stand against anybody else's anywhere in the last decade. Fulham have made a second bid for Brazilian midfielder Pablo Maia and are also taking note of Sao Paulo midfielders Rodrigo Nestor and Igor Gomes, as well as centre-back Luzao. Nottingham Forest are also interested in Maia and are willing to pay a £9 million price tag for the Brazilian youngster. 
Interesting. The Brexit rules might actually see us get more Brazilians coming straight to England. Because of how the points tallies are now calculated, it might actually help. Manchester United are monitoring Portugal's, sorry, Porto's Portuguese goalkeeper, Diego Costa, Athletic Bilbao and Spain shot stopper, Unai Simon, and trying to decide whether they trigger an extension in David De Gea's contract. Southampton and Leicester are keeping close tabs on Zachariah, a booklal of Toulouse, as they both need wingers, I suppose, is the is the answer there. Um, new Aston Villa manager Unai Emery will be giving given extensive funds to strengthen his squad. Now, this, of course, is our good friend Wayne VC over at Football Insider, so made up nonsense. Uh, Darwin Nunes says Luis Suarez got in touch with him to offer advice and how to deal with life in the Premier League. Lazio president Claudio Lotito says Serbian midfielder Sergei Milink- Serbian midfielder Sergei Milinkovic Savage will not be sold and will be offered a contract renewal as current contract expires in 2024. QPR boss Michael Beale turned down the chance to manage Wolves because of the upheaval that would have been associated with making the move. I don't know if Beale has a young family, maybe he'd just gotten them settled into schools. I mean, he is only 42. So I'm guessing kids might have just been settled into a school in London, having been taken out of their school in the Midlands, having been at Rangers in in Scotland for a couple of years. So probably just wants a bit of a settled environment. Now, I could be completely wrong. He He may not have any kids at all, but that would be my guess. Uh, Inter Milan will not sell Alessandro Bastoni in January. I think they'd be mental to sell him ever, personally. Roma are plotting a move for Hasim Auer. I don't think you need to plot too hard. It's hard to remember many players in the last 10 years whose stock has risen so high and then fallen so drastically low as Hossie Maurer over the last, say, take from 2018 when he really burst onto the scene. Um, he probably hit his apex thus far at the end of 19, just before the pandemic, he was playing exceptional football. And since then, it's all been uh, very, very disappointing. Um, I'm not sure you, you need to plot too hard. He can't really get much of a game at... Leon, when he does, he doesn't really impress. So you could probably just, you know, announce it quite loudly and not really plot anything at all. We'll do a break. And when we come back, we've got Guy. We'll run through, and I do mean run through, this weekend's Premier League fixtures. And we'll be done. See you then. Bye-bye. Right, welcome back. I'm joined by the one and the only Mr. Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am good, Dave. How are you? I am tremendous on this Friday. Beautiful. 
As you say, we will run through all of the 255 Saturday games for whatever reason. Um, and we start with the early kickoff, which is on BT for UK people. Uh, we have Leicester against Man City. One time Pep's bogey team. Mm. Now you, you just have to expect it to be Haaland fodder, I'd imagine. But Haaland is injured, isn't is he not? Oh. I believe Erling Haaland is he faces a late fitness test, but he's got influenza, apparently, and he has a little foot injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if they sat Haaland. Even I had him on the bench to come on the bench to come on. Um so they might start Alvarez, which I'm could be have to fun. change my fantasy team. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you might have actually. I'll just play him, and whoever gets the most points can get some of them. Um, yeah, it's true. Um, but does that change? Well, it does change the way they attack, but it changes probably the amount of goals they'll score, but they should still win. Mm. I mean, Leicester have been awful this season. Uh, they have won their last two games, though, and they've dragged themselves out of the bottom three. So, congrats to Leicester on being 17th in the league after 12 games. City are second. City will want to win. Arsenal look like they're shaking a little bit right now. And City will want to keep the pressure on them. So I am going to back the City win, even with the possibility of Haaland being out. Um, The only others that they're missing are Calvin Phillips and Kyle Walker. Whereas when we look at Leicester, no Ricardo Pereira, Ndidi not quite back, maybe on the bench. Johnny Evans may be on the bench. That's a lot of key players missing for Leicester. I'm going to go for a 3-1 City win. Yeah, hopefully it's a bit quite competitive because them games used to be quite fun uh, in Pep's early days. But we'll move on to the 3 o'clock kickoffs, and we're starting off with Bournemouth against Spurs, who recently both fortunes have turned around recently. I think we cursed Bournemouth, obviously, with our Southampton prediction. Yes. And, and Spurs... I don't know. Have they gone stale? Is the attack just doesn't work with Kulisevsky, which we keep saying? A mixture of both. It, I don't know. It just seems to not be clicking for Spurs in, at the moment. Yeah, it isn't. It's not clicking at all. There's no connection between midfield and the front two, which is a, a bit of a concern. There are ways and means he could fix it, but he doesn't seem to want to. Um, Kulisevsky was meant to be back two weeks ago and is now, you know, Kind of omni ruled out. I don't know when he's going to be back. Um, Solanke is a doubt for Bournemouth, which would be a huge loss for them. Lloyd Kelly is still out. Neto is out, so that's that's a blow because he he'd been part of that huge improvement when he came in from a Mark bit Travers. More experience, yeah. a bit more experienced than just yeah, more more talkative to the defense, and I think having him able to communicate so comfortably with Sinisi in Spanish was definitely helping Sinisi through games as well. And obviously David Brooks is out for the foreseeable. For Spurs, it's Kulisevsky and Richarlison. Everybody else should be fit. But Kulisevsky is maybe the most important player right now in terms of what they need. Yeah, I mean, Kane and Son are obviously the two best players at the club, but he's the one that links the midfield and attack. And you'd wonder and if there's been been really poor average at best hasn't he yeah you'd wonder if they're regretting the decision not to go and bring in Christian Eriksen just to have that creative player uh, in the team now he does prefer the 3-4-3 but 
when Kulisevsky's not there, you don't really have anyone else that you're wanting to start. Richarlison's a, a good player, obviously, but he's more of a Kane or Son mm-hmm. backup. He's not, or, you know, an alternative to them. Mm. He's not an and. If I remember correctly, didn't this happen at Inter where they went stale and then he started using Ericsson more? Exactly. He brought Ericsson yeah. to midfield, a bit of creativity and started to work. It wouldn't surprise me if they were one of the teams that starts looking heavily at James Madison. It just wouldn't surprise me. They were linked, weren't they? For a mm. So, yeah, it probably makes sense. Um, um, as for this one, I am going to say that Spurs need to win the game. They're third in the league, but they are losing ground. They've lost the last two. They've lost three of five. Newcastle have closed the gap on them. Chelsea have closed the gap on them. I think Spurs need a win this weekend, and I think they'll they'll get it. I don't think that Bournemouth defence is any good. So I'll go for a a very Conte-esque or Conte-ish 2-0 Spurs win. Yeah, I'd probably favor, uh, look at something similar. Um, moving on to Brentford v Wolves then. Um, Brentford are a very, very different team at home to the, when they're away because that, that Villa before, uh, result was embarrassing. Um, whereas Wolves sat in 19th got the win over Forest, but it's just been a horror show outside of that recently. And and for most of the season, obviously, that's why they're managerless at the minute. Exactly. And it it is, you're right, a horror show is exactly the situation. But they're going to need to start picking up some points because otherwise they could quickly find themselves getting cut adrift. Now, they won't be alone. And they're fortunate in that Leeds play Liverpool at Anfield. Forest play Arsenal at the Emirates. I almost mm-hmm. said Highbury at the Emirates. So you're not really expecting either of them to get anything either. So, you know, you'd be staying in line there. Leicester, the team above that the relegation zone, they're playing City. So you're not expecting them to get anything. And Southampton face a tough enough trip to Palace. So you'd be hopeful of seeing them slip up. Same with Bournemouth, like we've just talked about with Spurs. The bottom teams are largely, except for Southampton, playing the top teams this weekend. Even um, Villa are playing Newcastle. Villa are playing Newcastle, exactly. And, and it's at Newcastle and Emery's not in place yet. So you're not expecting many points for them. So this one isn't hugely critical for Wolves, but it could be a big opportunity to pick up points when your rivals aren't picking up points. Mm. Um, Brentford haven't looked great in recent weeks. A little bit stale, and they're obviously they've got a couple of key injuries that have hurt them. Norgard being out is massive because he's so important to their transition defense and how they build. Um, but he's close to back, close to back. They're hoping he'll be back maybe for the next game. Jansen, Hickey, and Strakosha, uh, they're all out. And likely we're not going to see any of them until after the World Cup. Um, but Norgard is close to back. For Wolves, we just know they've got no forward players. Um, Chiquinho out. Diego Costa is a doubt, which would leave him with nobody. Neto, Jimenez and Kaladzic all out. They're also missing uh, Tote, the centre-back, but he wouldn't be starting anyway. Wolves were desperate last weekend. Absolutely mm-hmm. appalling last weekend. 
got walloped, but then so did Brentford. Mm-hmm. Um, but Wolves' defeat was definitely worse. It's definitely worse. They were home for starters. I know that I think you remember you praising the decision and not just panic and get a manager, but I, it needs unless Lopetegui said I will in the new year or some or after the World Cup for a little break or something like that. I, I, you got to go for a firefighter at some. John Dyche is available. Just yeah. the point. Sean Dyche, even if it's look, even if you say to him, Look, come into the end of the year. If you keep us up, the job is yours. If you don't, you're free to leave. So you're not committed to going down with us. But he is sitting at home available. And if ever there was a fella who could just get the most out of a group of players, it is him. Like he rings every last bit of effort and talent out of players. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, their squad kind of, sort of, in a way, suits what he would do. The back four is basically like for later. I know Colin the was there, four, obviously. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he likes attacking, well, attacking-ish fullbacks, which Semedo and Aitnuri, fine. Um, Jose Sa and Nick Pope are, are similar types of goalkeepers. Nathan Collins and Max Kilman, very much in the Tarkovsky yeah. Ben Me mould. Um, he likes two midfielders that keep things moving, don't do anything stupid, can manage a game for him. So you could look at Neves and Moutinho in that fashion as, as a Jack Cork, Ashley Westwood type of combination. Could Nunes used... do Brownhill on the right? Jump? Exactly. Yeah. Nunes as the Brownhill, that box-to-box energy player who gets in and, and adds an extra forward player. Now, the loss of Neto is a big shame because he would have been the ideal Dwight McNeil. Diego Costa was born to play the role of Ashley Barnes. Now, obviously they don't have, because Kalasic would be his Chris Wood. Yeah. And and he just needs a Jay Rodriguez, and, and maybe that's Huang. But, yeah, I could see Huang playing off one of them. The Wolves squad is decently set up. And then you've got the likes of Pedence. Remember he had Stephen DeFore, a bit of a playmaking player? He got the that's when they got to Europe that year. You know, so I actually do think the Wolf squad would suit Sean Dyche. I I think it's a bit foolish now. I thought initially they could maybe make it to the World Cup break, but not after watching. I've watched that game against Leicester. I, I had it on as it was playing, but I was watching another game. And I watched it more carefully afterwards, and it was an absolute horror show. And they're fortunate Leicester didn't score six or seven. They really are. Um, it was more that Leicester just sort of almost managed their way through the game. Yeah. Because Wolves had more of the ball. Wolves had a lot more shots. But Leicester cut them open on the counter time and time again. And there was a number of times where Leicester kind of broke out, took the ball off them on the edge of their own penalty area and broke out and say Barnes got the ball on the left and could have gambled and played a ball through the middle to a striker or done a switch of play to the other side or vice versa, ball to the right, could have switched to Barnes. And they turned back and just sort of slowed the game down and held a bit of possession. Whereas if they'd been really ruthless, they could have just continued to open them up. Uh, Jose Sa faced five shots, four on target in that game, and conceded four goals, which will tell you what his performance was like on the day. 
Um, in this one, I'm going to go with the draw because Brentford, like I say, just not playing well at the moment. So I'll go for a 1-1 draw. I just think there's, there's too much talent in that Wolves team to continually lose. Mm. They need to stop this nonsense of Nunes as a 10, though. He's not a 10. You're ruining him. You're taking away his best attribute, which is his ability to drop in, take the ball off the centre-backs, and bring it 40 yards. Playing him as a 10 is absolutely stupid. He's ahead of the ball the whole time. They need to get back to playing Nunes a bit deeper. But I'll go go 1-1. Yeah, maybe not the most exciting game. Uh, next up, we have the Graham Potter derby, the Billy Gilmore derby. <laughs> it's probably Kukurea derby. Um, yeah, it's obviously been... I was going to say a tough start for De Zerbi, which is probably right, but he has played Liverpool, City, now Chelsea. So, I mean, it couldn't have happened at a worse time, whereas Potter's obviously, after somewhat of a... Weird start. He seems to have really settled into the team. Obviously, the United game, etc., etc., wasn't the best. It mm. was a horror, horrific game to watch. But he has certainly made them more harmonious than what was happening under Tuchel, because that just seemed to get quite toxic quite quickly. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, the the what I what I liked about the United game, you're right, they didn't play well, but I liked how aggressive he was in making a change. Mm-hmm. Like didn't wait till halftime. 35 minutes, Mark Cucarella, off you come. And I've been thinking about that substitution far more than I should have because I couldn't figure out at the time why he took him off and not Chilwell. Because Cucarella is a better player than Chilwell, without question. Better defensively, better on the ball. And I, I can only assume it was because he has a stronger relationship with Cucurella because he had him the year at Brighton. So I can only assume it was that he thought he'd be able to explain it better to Cucurella than to Chilwell, who probably would have got the hump. Um, This weekend, Chelsea have no Kante, no Fafana and no Reese James. Unlike we're not seeing any of them till after the World Cup. Um, Koulibaly should be fine. Kovacic should be fine. They're, they're two hugely important players, especially Kovacic, who's the best midfielder. Yeah. Um, Brighton, no motor. He's out till February. Uh, Matoma's out for a while. Lalana's had a, an issue, but this is what De Zerbi said. It's not really an injury, but we had a problem with him during the week. Maybe they just realised he's crap. Maybe that was the problem. Um, Joel Veltman is a doubt. Lamptey's a doubt. And obviously, Enoch Mappu was forced to retire, so he won't be playing. Brighton have had a horrible start to life under the new manager, largely because of the fixtures that they were dealt. But they have played well in a couple of these games. Like, they played really well against Liverpool and should have won. They played well against Tottenham and probably should have gotten at least a point they didn't play well against Brentford. They played well against Forest, and I don't know how that game ended nil-nil. And for large stretches, they outplayed Man City. Yeah. And like for the eighth or ninth game this season, Moises Casado stood above everybody else in midfield as the best midfielder on the pitch. But City have two cheat codes. They have the Viking cheat code, 
and they have the Belgian cheat code. And unfortunately, when either of them has a moment of magic, it tends to be, a, unfortunately for opposition, when either of them has a little moment, that tends to be a goal. And obviously between them, they had two moments and got two goals plus the penalty. So that was that's just a very, very tough start. This one, I kind of fancy Brighton. I do kind of fancy Brighton to get a result here. I'm not saying they'll win, so I'll go 2-2 draw. I think this will be a very entertaining game to watch because both the Zerbi and Potter want their teams playing good football. Um, they'll be quite open. I think the midfield battle will be interesting with McAllister and Caicedo against probably Kovacic and Jorginho. Mm-hmm. If only Brighton had a striker worthy of the name, I think they could cause that Chelsea backline a whole heap of problems. But, but, Danny Welbeck is the type of striker who can cause Thiago Silva problems by Maybe being quick. <laughs> Kepp is playing out of his mind at the minute. Like, I was I just more meaning he will on. not hit the ball in the goal. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he won't do that. But he might, he might get into some opportunity, into some places yeah. to do things like that. Um, I Danny can't believe Sundav must be not. Real at this stage, so strange. Mm. Like it's so strange. I was so during the summer, I was chatting to a couple of the Brighton reporters on Twitter and that, and I was like, "Why aren't they buying a striker? They they've clearly wanted a striker for two years. Oh, they think Dennis Undav is going to be the answer. Well, you know, we're twelve games into the season or eleven games in their case. I couldn't pick him out of lineup. <laughs> could couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Uh, he's made six appearances in the league. Uh, he's played seven games in all competitions. Uh, a sum total of 55 minutes in the league from those six appearances. Yeah. He started in the EFL Cup and played 67 minutes and scored his goal. He hasn't been injured. There's been no injury that I... Well, not that I'm aware of anyway. No, no injury. He just has not been getting... Um, minutes on the pitch. He played one minute against United on the opening day, was on the bench the next three games, didn't come on. Played 11 minutes against Fulham. Played six minutes against Leicester. Wasn't in the squad for the next two games. Was on the bench and didn't come on for the following two. And then 21 minutes against Brentford. Five, five against Forest when they were chasing a goal. And 11 minutes against City. And to, to be fair, Welbeck started the season well, but now it's gone back to being Danny Welbeck. Yeah, but Danny Welbeck, he, he's always going to start the season well and then be garbage after four weeks. Like, I don't know if Dennis Undev is good enough to play in the Premier League, but what I do know is that last season, the fella scored 27 goals and had 13 assists. And it's in a decent league. The Belgian league is a decent league. I don't think you could put Danny Welbeck in that league and he'd score that many goals or have, have that many Like assists. Emmanuel Dennis come over and what did he get, like 12 goals? For exactly. Like that, so. You know, we've seen Lukaku and uh, Benteke come into the Premier League from that league and do very well. Wesley? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe not so much. <laughs> but like, you know, 27 goals. Like Danny yeah. Welbeck last season scored six goals. He has none this season. Uh, the season Danny Welbeck scored 27 goals for six. Brighton. Let's have a look. Uh, three, so that's 15. 
Five, that's 20. 17, 18 season. Yeah, so you'd have to go back to... You'd have to go back to midway between the seven the seventeen eighteen season to now. Danny Welbeck has scored twenty seven goals, and Undav did it last year in one sitting. Was like, he at Arsenal then? Uh he was at Arsenal then. Yeah, good lord. Yeah, he good was at lord. Arsenal. He, and and the thing is, even in that ten goal season for Danny Welbeck, only five of them came in the league. Three were in the Europa League. He scored against, let's see. Let's see if these goals actually warrant inclusion. Okay, he got two against Milan and one against CSK in Moscow. So that's fine. Um, EFL Cup, he scored one in it. It was against West Ham. And he scored against lower league Nottingham Forest. But, you know, he just, he's not a goal scorer. He never really has been a goal scorer. Like if we look at Danny Welbeck for the career, 56 Premier League goals in 16,000 minutes. That's really not good. Eight, eight goals in the FA Cup, six goals in the League Cup, seven in the Champions League, funnily enough, five in the Europa League. Um, That's his career in top-level football. Danny Welbeck has scored... 82 goals. 82 goals in his career. He also scored two in the championship and one in the Premier League 2, which, as I'm sure we're all aware, is an underage league. So 84 senior goals, two of them in the championship. Like, this guy's been around for absolutely ever. And he's always been in teams that dominate the ball. United... Arsenal and Brighton always played for teams that have the majority of the ball and he's managed 82 goals in the Premier League or in the Premier League in the Cups 56 in the Premier League in 16,000 minutes that's awful awful let's move on past this game yeah so you went with two all for the one yeah uh crystal palace against southampton we don't know <laughs> we don't know these two teams um i think palace have decure back in midfield after suspension which will obviously help and southampton it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who is available it'll just happen yeah i mean palace need to win this game because They've been a little bit rocky so far this season and there's been a few little murmurings of discontent about how they're not as fluid as last season and, you know, was Conor Gallagher the magic ingredient or whatever else. He needs to get Elise in the team more often. He needs to get Elise and Zaha on the ball, uh, sorry, Elise and Ezzy on the ball a lot more to create chances for Zaha and Eduard. Like that as a front four with Dukure and say Will Hughes as midfield two would be really good. Um, Dukure is back, like you said. No Klein, no Butland, no MacArthur, no Richards. Ferguson still a couple of weeks away. Saints are the weirdest team, maybe in all of football. Uh, no Livermento, no Walker Peters. So question mark over who'll start right back. Bella Kotchup would have been an answer. 
he's probably not going to play. Romeo Lavi is probably still a week away, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles is back. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is back. Couldn't play against Arsenal, obviously. He might play right back, actually. He's probably the answer at right back. Um, Who's that young right back who he like, threw under the bus every two two games? I can't remember the name. The French one. Jan Vellery. That's the lad. I, I think he name. left. Jan... He's played the city. I remember him playing in the back three this season. Yeah, but he left. He played in the back three and then left. Did he? He has yeah. gone to Angiers. Uh, fair he enough. Jo- he played. He played the first game, or he played one game in the Premier League this season, and that was enough. And that was enough. <laughs> and um, that poor oh, yeah. fella, yeah. like when he broke through at Southampton when uh, in eighteen nineteen, and like immediately took a spot in the team, and you were like, "This kid's really good. He's going to be in that team for for years." And then they're going to sell him for a lot of money. Um, twenty three games in the league in his first season, scored two goals. That was in 1819. Since then, since then, in three and a bit seasons after that, he only played 19 times for Southampton in the league, having played 23. He just couldn't that defend, one season. Though. He, he also had a spell on loan at Birmingham and played seven games. So in three seasons, he played 26 games, having played 23 that one season. He's not a great defender. He's a wing back though. He's not a full back. He is a wing back. And he's a good wing back. I hope he does well at Andrews. I do. Um, I don't know how I don't know how it's going. I haven't kept tabs, but uh, he I, I like him. I like him. He's still very young as well. Like he's only 23. Seems like he's been around forever. Um you just don't know what's at Hampton. They were awful. They were awful. They were awful. All of a sudden, they're unbeaten in three. Um, they've drawn with West Ham and drawn with Arsenal while beating Bournemouth. That's a really nice little run. So it would be very, very Southampton to lose this game 3-1. So I'll go 3-1 to Crystal Palace. It does. It does sound very Southampton-y. To me, um, Newcastle v Villa. Um, Villa obviously have the really good result last weekend um, but Newcastle just seemed well they just seemed like really efficient it's weird watching them they just don't seem overly exciting but the good defensively the good going forward just like it just seems like the magic of Bruno Gimenez has just knitted this whole team together and not, not just putting it solely on him but Eddie Howe's obviously done a good job but I don't know is Gimenez just Let's say the Louis Suarez of this team. <laughs> he's just, yeah, he's just that good. He yeah. is just that good. Um, you'd you'd have to try very hard to find a midfielder whose name isn't Kevin De Bruyne or Thiago, who's better than Bruno Gomes in the Premier League. Mm. Um, if you are picking, if you are picking a Premier League eleven, you. You'd probably, if you based it on who the player is, you'd probably go De Bruyne, Rodri, Thiago as a midfield three. But if you based it on how they've played this season, Bruno is either the six or the eight. Like he's been better than Rodri, he's been better than Thiago. He has been outstanding for them, and he does knit everything together. Now they've got a little bit of an injury crisis going on with Isak out until after the World Cup. Darlow is obviously out for a significant period of time. St. Maximin's been out. They're not sure if he's going to be back this weekend. 
Elliot Anderson is back, though, so that's a decent get for them to have him back. He's a, he's a talented young player. Matt Ritchie, Emil Kraft, and Paul Dummett all out. So just none of them will be starters, but those are kind of the depth that they have because they don't really have a whole lot behind the first 11. They're on a really good run. It's an unsustainable run. They're not this good. And Villa are not this bad. Like, Villa are not one of the four or five or six worst teams in the league. They're just not. Um, Villa had a great result last week. The the post-Gerrard bounce. I'll be the, the curious thing is, if they win this game, and then Emery takes over, has the new manager bounce already happened under Danks, or is Emery going to get another bounce out of them? Because... If you remember when Gerard took over and he got his bounce, they hadn't played in between. Yeah. So you'd have to wonder. I think the thing more important with that is just a level of competency that not really yes. seen since Smith. Tactical instruction. Yeah. Basic yeah. tactical instruction. Not go out there and run around a bit, lads. Um, I am going to go... I'm going to go for a draw in this one. I'm going to go for a draw in this one. Yeah, I think that'd be a very good result for Villa. Toon have won four or five. I just don't think it's sustainable. I think they are a decent team. I think they'll be challenging for Europe this season, maybe Conference League. Mm -hmm. But they're certainly not the fourth best team in the country. And there's a plethora of teams below them who are just better. Like Chelsea are better than them. United, for their issues, are better. Liverpool, for their issues, are better. I think West Ham are a better team than Newcastle as well. Um... So I'll say Villa can snatch a draw here. I'll go 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Um, next up, I only assume this game's on TV because Marco Silva managed Everton. Um, Fulham against Everton. It's just Mitrovic. <laughs> He's just a horror. Um, but Everton, what was it last week? Was it 4-0 last week? 3-0. Three. Three, no. So Calvert-Lewin's back. Maybe they, yeah. maybe they were waiting for the for him and it just knitted together. Um, but yeah. the problem Everton have is that away from home this season, they just they've looked short of ideas. Like up up at Newcastle, parked the bus, went to Tottenham, parked the bus, uh, went to Southampton, parked the bus, got a win, credit to them, got the win at, at Southampton, but really and truly should have lost that game, were outplayed significantly, had three great minutes. And managed to get two goals, and Saints did what Saints do. Um, prior to that, what else did they do away from home in the league this season? Drew at Leeds, parked the bus in that one. Drew at Brentford, parked the bus in that one. And lost at Villa. Everton are going to park the bus here. That's what Frank Lampard thinks is, is managing away from home. So they're going to turn up and park the bus. But the problem with doing that is you're going to invite big high balls into your box and Mitrovic is a significant problem when you, when that happens. Now, they do have Tarkovsky, who's great in the air, but don't be surprised to see Mitrovic just go and stand on Conor Cody. I think Fulham should win the game based on being at home and being a slightly better team at the minute. But Calvert-Loon is a factor. And Everton on the counter could be dangerous because you've got the pace of Gordon and Gray. What are we like with injuries this week? Uh, 
Patterson's uh, back, so that could help in that regard. Patterson, yeah. yeah. Patterson back is a good thing. Mina's still out. Townsend's still out. Godfrey's still out. Uh, Fulham, Tete's back. Dan James is back. He'll cause Everton some problems with his pace. Won't produce anything, but he'll cause them some problems with his pace. So just Kurzawa and Solomon. You know what? I'll go draw. I'll go 1-1. One, one. And I, it's an unwatchable game. This will be an unwatchable game. Yeah, it's not... Uh... Why is it on television? Like is Marco Silva that big and ever? <laughs> but like the Graham Potter game's not on TV. Yeah, you're telling me there's anybody other than Fulham and Everton fans that would rather watch that game than Brighton Chelsea or Newcastle Villa or even Bournemouth Tottenham. Like no, I think that, I think well, that off the be. Saturday games, it's the least watchable. Even Brentford Wolves will be a better game than that. Palace Southampton will be a much better game. I I don't understand how that game's on television, other than they have to put everybody on a certain amount of times. This can be the only logical reason, and that's probably why they've got a late kick off on Saturday as as well, because they know that game is just filth. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't remember the last time I seen Fulham and Everton. It might have been the derby, which feels like a very, very, very long time ago. Um, but anywho, it's an Everton game. It's not going to be fun. Um, yeah, uh, moving on to the 7.45 kickoff for whatever reason. I'm guessing because Liverpool played Tuesday, I'm guessing. Um, odd, but Liverpool against Leeds. Um Again, other than it being at Anfield, we, we asked this question when they had to go to Forest last weekend. We don't know. It just depends on what version of Liverpool turns up, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, this game is, is Liverpool's to lose. The only way they lose this game is if they just completely soil themselves. Um, you've got uh Leeds team arriving with a whole bunch of injury issues. No Dallas, no Forshaw, no Gray, no Hjeld. Adam's a major doubt. Rodrigo a doubt, Sinistera a doubt, Cooper a doubt, Gellhart a doubt. So they're coming with half a squad, really. Uh, Liverpool, though, will greet them with half a squad. No Luis Diaz, no Joel Matip, no Naby Keita. Uh, Thiago's back, though, so that's huge. Um, Henderson might miss out with the knee knock that he took at the weekend. Again, that could be a positive. Or No, let's be clear. It is a positive. Um no Arthur, no Diogo Jota. Um, Thiago back and Henderson out probably gives Liverpool the win. So I'm going to go 3-0 to Liverpool. Uh, we're, not, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Well, you'll see when it's children in midfield again. Anywho, we'll move on to Sunday. Um, Arsenal Forest is not on telly. Don't know why. Um, just why is the less games on TV? Who knows? <sighs> Arsenal, as you said, uh, in the Europa bit, maybe Arsenal, uh, maybe the season's catching up with the relatively small squad a bit, whereas Forest had their biggest result since returning to the Premier League last weekend and Iwani bullied Liverpool. Um, Lingard looked somewhat useful in that game. They defended really well, but I just feel like Arsenal will punish stuff that Liverpool didn't last weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Arsenal will Arsenal will expose Serge Aurier and Arsenal will expose Steve Cook. Um, no Smith Rowe, no El Nenny, and doubts over Zinchenko, Turner, 
and Vinicius. Zinchenko's the only starter among that group. Um, and Kieran Tierney's a bit of left back anyway. Forrest, what do we have? No Omar Richards, no Jack Colbeck, no Musa Niakate. Tofolo is also out, and Lewis O'Brien is a doubt, but he's only ill, so he's not injured, so he should be back. Um, I can't see anything other than an Arsenal win. At home, they need a result to bounce back after two bad results in a row in Euro- Europa and at Southampton last weekend. City will have probably won on Saturday, so Arsenal will want to go back on top of the league. So I will say Arsenal to win this game 3-1. I think Arsenal's defence is a little bit vulnerable, though, and I do think the pace of Forrest on the counter will mm. give Arsenal moments of real panic. So Gabriel will be grappling all over time. Yeah, he'll be grappling with to, uh, with, with Awani. You're going to have space in behind for Lingard and Brennan Johnson to run into because Arsenal plays so high. I think Gibbs White can be important in this game, running off the back of the likes of Granit Xhaka. But Arsenal will still win the game. 3-1. And Dave, our next game is on at the horrific time of quarter past four for whatever reason. If Sky and BT just... Lost their minds or something? I don't know why it's a quarter past four. Like, uh, why not half four? All the other uh, Sunday games are half four. Why is this one a... Like, next Sunday's game is half four. The uh, following Sunday's <laughs> game is half four. Maybe Last of... Sunday's game was half four. thing is, if, if they just wanted it, because it's the only Super Sunday game, why didn't you just put it in literally the final whistle of Arsenal Forest. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. It's so stupid. It's just, it's a nonsense. It's an absolute nonsense. Oh, God. So foolish. Um, anyway, I saw you mention on Twitter, uh, I think you were quoting a Goldbridge tweet saying, Maguire will probably return to the team. <laughs> and you said you'd be excited for Skabacker against him. Yeah. Even putting like Antonio up against him as well. I'll just put both of the big lads up front. Oh, I'd start both of them. Yeah. If I'm Moyes, I'm think, going there starting both of them. Isn't Bowen injured as well? So I think he both, is. Yeah. yeah. So probably more um, uh, you've got usable that way. Jared Bowen, they, they think he might be back. Craig Dawson's a doubt. Cornet is pretty much certainly out. Lucas Paqueta, unfortunately, is out, which is such a shame. Um, because he'd have had a field day in the space behind this United midfield. United, Wan Bissak is a doubt. Martial is almost certainly out. Williams is out. Varane is out. Tuanzebi's out. And Mason Greenwood is in jail. Um, they still own Tuanzebi. Oh, yes. Good and they're Lord. never, ever going to let him leave. The poor fella thought he had escaped last season when he got a loan to Napoli. Napoli played him once and then were like, no, he's not for us. And that was he's on a the decent back. player. That was on the back of his villa loan. Yes, he was which, fifth choice, which didn't go well at all. Good they luck. pulled him back from that villa loan <laughs> and sent him out to Napoli. It's bizarre. Um, he's a decent player, but he's not going to make it at United, and he's almost twenty-five and needs to get away from United. We shall as call quickly him as Nat possible. Phillips. He's had three loans at Villa, three different yeah. loans. In the first one, he played five games. In the second one, he played 30 games. Those are both in the championship. Yeah. And then he played 
11 games last season. And he was playing a, a decent enough role, but it was, like you said, he was the backup. He was coming off the bench here and there, midfield, right back, centre-back, whatever. He will be at Middlesbrough on loan by January and put money on it. Here is the most unusual fact of the day. In July 2018, Tunzebi broke the Guinness World Record for the fastest time to individually clear a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos. That is, that is magnificent. And United don't use this player. And they're disrespecting him like this. That is an outrage. They should be liquidated for this behaviour. Absolutely. I am really looking forward to seeing Skimaka against Maguire if Maguire plays and Martinez if Martinez plays. Because I think he'll monster both of them. He'll I forgot be... about Martinez. <laughs> yeah. Mac yeah. is great in the air. They're great uh, in the yeah. air. So, yeah, he's in trouble. The thing with Martinez is he doesn't compete for aerials. He just hides from them and people forgive him. Um, I'm going for the, 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 the upset win here. I'm going for the David Moyes redemption. I'm going 2-1 to West Ham. Moisey, the Moisiah, to get the win here. And West Ham, who were 17th last week to start a bit of an assault on the European places before the World Cup break. They Mm. have this one, Palace at home next week, and then Blackburn in the Cup and Leicester in the league. And I think they'll potentially win all three league games. Don't think they'll care much about the game against Stoya Bucharest because they're already through. So they'll rest everybody and it'll be a heavily rotated team for Blackburn. I think they could win all three league games. Um, I'm going 2-1 West Ham. And that was the last game. There's no early, early kickoff next week, Dave. Can BT and Sky sort their stuff out? It's, just, <laughs> it's just a mess. I don't know how they make I don't know how they make such a mess of this year after year, but they do. And we'll be here to point it out. But that'll be Monday. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.